0: touch with technology with Tech stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey there, guys. It's Jonathan Strickland with TechStuff, and we are about to jump right into part two of our history of Internet Explorer, the full Internet Explorer story. And we even have something to add to that story since we recorded this episode. When Nate and I were talking about Internet Explorer, neither of us knew the name of the successor to Internet Explorer. We just knew the code name was Project Spartan. But now we know that the name is Microsoft Edge. That's going to be the successor. And I just wanted to throw that into the intro before we got right back into the discussion. And now, let's rejoin that talk with Nate Langson from Bloomberg. Uh, In August 27, 2001, Microsoft would launch Internet Explorer 6, which... Became a huge debacle. Um, It was included in copies of Windows XP, one of the most popular operating systems of all time. I know people who still would prefer to use Windows XP to any of the other operating systems that have come out since then. Uh, There are a lot of legacy systems that depend upon Windows XP, and you cannot migrate to a new operating system without reinventing all these legacy systems that interact with it. Uh, there used to be a joke about how people would stay on Windows XP, and now it's kind of a sad one. So IE6 comes out bundled with Windows XP. That also means that IE6 has continued to be used long after you would expect people to have changed, you know, upgraded to some other version of Internet Explorer. Um, PC World, this is where we get the sad part, called it the least secure software on the planet because it had so many vulnerabilities. It made the list of 25 worst tech products of all time from PC World. It was number eight. And number seven was a different Microsoft product, one that I did a full episode of Tech Stuff about, Microsoft Bob.
0: Oh, Bob. Yeah. So it's named by Bill Gates' wife, I believe. Melinda yes. Gates.
1: Mm-hmm. We had a whole yeah, the episode. If you haven't listened to that episode of Tech Stuff, I highly recommend you go and check that out. Uh, Lauren Vogelbaum was my co-host on that one and we had a grand old time dissecting Bob. Uh, and, and it was her first time ever encountering Bob. And boy, I mean, the, the fact that IE6 ranked higher on the list than Bob tells you how bad IE6 was. Because Bob was atrocious. So this was another one of those problem it was it was rife with vulnerabilities that allowed hackers to get that same kind of level of of access to a computer whatever level the user was logged in at so if you were a giant business and you only allowed uh your employees to log in under a lower access level, then that was bad but probably manageable if you were one of those businesses that allow employees to log in at the admin level, it was catastrophic and uh, because IE6 was lumped in with Windows XP and because Windows XP was so popular, it meant that it was a target-rich environment. Now, uh, Nate, you, you being a Mac user, are you one of the Mac users who, who very smugly, uh, trumpets the fact that Macs are largely, um, free from issues of viruses and malware?
0: No. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the people that says that they are well, yes, I am, in a way. I am, actually, completely. But what I what I don't say is that Macs can't get viruses. Right. Or, or that they are more secure. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, in as much as everyone targets Windows, and therefore far, far fewer people are targeting Macs. But on the other hand, Macs can also be conduits for vi- viruses. Right. So you are able to pass on a virus, even if you are immune to it. Yourself. Right, You can
1: you can be a carrier, but not be uh be affected by it directly.
0: That um, said, I don't run antivirus because I don't care about Windows users. <laughs> lol. So,
1: why get vaccinated? Right. I mean, come lol, on. Lol, lol. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. This this, this this is a great th- but this is a great point to make in that, again, PCs had so much of the market share. I mean, we're still at the point where Max had not really made a big debt. It would be it wouldn't be until the mid to late 2000s, that we really started seeing the Mac take off on a, on a true market share level, uh, which meant that if you're a hacker and you're designing malware and you're trying to hit as many people as possible, that's your goal, then you go to where the people are. And the people were at PCs on Windows-based machines, specifically Windows XP, and Internet Explorer 6 had all these vulnerabilities. It was open season for hackers. Uh, which that's why it made this this list of the 25 worst tech products. I mean, if if it's a gateway, if Microsoft had not uh, patched all the vulnerabilities, it's a huge issue. Now, Microsoft did uh, start to issue patches very quickly, but it was still one of those things that became a black eye for the company. Uh In fact, the problem was so serious that the United States computer emergency readiness team told people, hey, you don't have to use internet explorer don't use something else and then the only times you should use internet explorer is when you have no other option like it's it's something that's only compatible with internet explorer um i've had uh i've worked at companies where the intranet would only be accessible through internet explorer other browsers just could not render those pages um which could be a very frustrating experience for someone who doesn't prefer to use Internet Explorer, unless I can't I don't have any other option. Uh, Nate, have you ever had that issue, too, where you've had to you worked someplace where the the way a system was designed, you had to use a specific type of browser to access it?
0: Um, I'm I work at one now, <laughs> so I probably shouldn't say very much, but it's but- a very secure internal corporate environment.
1: Sure. And and. I mean that that's one of the reasons why I mean I still have a version of internet explorer that runs on my machine because uh there there are certain internal technologies we use that it really only works with internet explorer now once once it's up on the web any browser can see the stuff but for the internal purposes uh we use things that will only work with internet explorer and of course we're also very concerned about security so it's But it's one of those things that, you know, if if you had built it on Internet Explorer 6, this would be a huge concern, obviously, because of those vulnerabilities. Um, fortunately, I think most companies don't rely on that or they are relying on one that has been patched thoroughly so that those vulnerabilities are no longer an issue. But it was, you know, for someone who doesn't, for like grandma, who doesn't necessarily know how this stuff works, it, it's a problem. Right? It's, it's not easy to explain to someone who hasn't grown up around the world of software and software patches that this is an issue at all. It's, I mean, it, it's hard enough just to explain that this is not the internet. <laughs> it's, it's a browser. So yeah. yeah. So definitely it was a black mark against Microsoft. Um, and it's funny because I, I looked on, it, it, granted, it depends upon what source you use, but I looked at one, uh, um, resource that looks at the market share of various browsers and 3.1% of users in China, according to this source, are still using Internet Explorer 6. Uh 3.1% seems like a small number, but that means hundreds of thousands of people are still using Internet Explorer 6. And that's,
0: yeah, uh, I mean, it's incredible. China's an interesting one. And because of the rampant piracy that has taken place there over the last couple of decades in particular when it comes to computer software. And Mm -hmm. there are so many old computers out there, computers that physically can't run more recent uh, operating systems, that for some machines, that may be the limit of what they can even install because of how old the hardware is. You sure. Know, yeah. The same yeah. in, 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 in parts of India. So that's probably a factor. Um, the other, the other thing is that there are a lot of banks, believe it or not, that mm-hmm. have this really old software installed. I'm <laughs> Which, not saying that's the case in China particularly, but just generally there are a lot of, a lot of places and schools yeah. too.
1: I mean, and that's the other thing is that when you spend a lot of money and energy and resources on building an infrastructure and it's using a particular, you know, particular uh, suite of software or a particular operating system, it's, you know, you've created this system that now we call a legacy system at the time. Of course, it's not a legacy. It's just what you built and you built it because you needed something. And this, you know, the suite did the stuff you needed. Uh, The problem is that, you know, you don't necessarily have those resources to dedicate to reinventing that every time there's a new operating system that comes out, especially if you're talking about really big systems where it would require a massive effort across multiple locations in order for everyone to stay in communication with each other. And that's where you run into these problems. I mean, if there are no easy solutions, it's very easy for us to say, Hey, upgrade your operating system or upgrade your browser because on a user to user level, it's not as big a deal. I mean, it might require some financial investment. If you're talking about having to get a new machine, that's capable of running a, 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 a newer version of that software but ultimate ultimately it's not as big a deal as it is telling a an industry or even just um, a particular company within that industry hey you need to do this it's a much larger effort on that their part so as, as flippant as I'm being I do realize that you know it's not so simple as oh we need to we need to install this new program it's you know sometimes it's not The new browser, like you said, Nate, could require uh, more advanced hardware or a more advanced operating system. Yeah. All right. So that was 2001. Now we're going to skip ahead to 2004 because there were no updates in that time. But on November 9th, 2004, a big competitor to Internet Explorer would launch. Uh, The Mozilla Foundation's Firefox 1.0 goes live. Now, Firefox was the first real challenger to the dominance of Internet Explorer uh, to, to really, you know, capture a lot of people's attention. Before, there had been devotees of other browsers, but they were pretty small audiences. Firefox was one that actually threatened to take some real uh, uh, chunks out of Microsoft. And part of that was because there was still this ongoing issue with Internet Explorer 6, and those security vulnerabilities it had such a, you know, it had a, a pretty bad reputation. Meanwhile, you might say, well, why, why didn't Microsoft come out with a new version? Well, until Firefox came out, there wasn't really a need for it. Right. I mean, there were no, if you don't have a competitor, then you don't have a lot of incentive to improve your product. Uh, that's one of the, pro- one of the reasons, one of the big reasons you don't want any monopolies out there because you would rather have competition that drives the various entities to continue to innovate and invest in their technology so that you ultimately get better stuff out of it. If there are no competitors, then you got to just hope that the entities are motivated enough to continue that innovation and investment, which is not always the case. And it wasn't in this one. So uh, October 2006, we see Microsoft launch Internet Explorer 7 because Firefox was starting to eat at... Microsoft's heels it was starting to take up some of that market share and Microsoft suddenly realized hey we might have a problem here we might need to to start really looking at innovating in this space again because we're not the only player in town anymore uh so this was a five-year you know absence of updates and then we finally get one in 2006 um so Internet Explorer 7 was uh, also the first time they changed the name because the previous editions of Internet Explorer were all called Microsoft Internet Explorer whatever. This time they were called Windows Internet Explorer whatever. So Windows Internet Explorer 7. Uh, interesting because of the settlement with the United States Department of Justice earlier about how they didn't really want. To give the indication that Windows and Internet Explorer were so tightly integrated. But, uh, after the settlement of that case, I guess they were, Microsoft was looking at it saying, look, if you, if you use the Windows environment, this is the browser you want. I guess that was their marketing push. I suppose. <laughs> and it became the bundled browser for a much maligned piece of software, Windows Vista. I think Windows Vista did more for Macintosh sales than Apple ever did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Possibly. Um, it it wasn't it wasn't great to begin with. It it no. was basically all right by the end, but
1: Yeah, it, it was one yeah, of, that was It was uh, one of those that that did require patches to make it to the point where people gave it that kind of damning praise, right? Well, it was all right by the end, it was okay. <laughs> but when it came out it was not okay. Uh, There were a lot of issues. I mean, I remember all the different permissions windows that would pop up whenever you wanted to do anything in Windows Vista. And it was almost like Microsoft had overreacted to the problems it had experienced previously with products like Internet Explorer 6, where they said, well, we want to make sure that we are being really uh concerned with security and safety. So now you're going to have to go through five permissions pages whenever you want to run anything on your machine, <laughs> every time you want to run it. Uh So Vista was maligned probably justifiably when it first came out. But then, like like we said, it got better with patches, uh, although it was too little too late at that point, I think. And, and mm. essentially you had all these different people and companies, school systems, everything, saying, you know what, we're going to stick with Windows XP. Because even though this operating system is the new one, uh it breaks everything. So I'm going to use this older operating system. Uh and I, I can say, like, in, in my career, we went from Windows XP to Windows 7.
0: Yeah. We did not we did I, not transition I, yeah. to Vista. I went Windows XP to Mac. Um not particularly because of Vista, to be honest. Um yeah. but I but but I think that was the turning point for a lot of people. It was either ignore vista and then move to 7 or ignore vista and move to the mac
1: yeah i i think you know and, and i think even you know looking at at some of the the uh other operating systems out there things like linux i mean you know i i don't think well linux has its own like uh devotees who are all the developers who who love to work with that operating system and help make it better and it's almost mm-hmm. like a a crowdsourced os uh but the, you know, I think things like Vista definitely help fuel that kind of passion because you look at what is the product of a, a corporation saying, here's what we think an operating system should be versus uh something like uh Mac, which, you know, Apple has done a great job at positioning themselves as we know that you think you know what you want, but we're telling you what you want and you're going to love it. And it works because <laughs> it's designed so well. Uh, and then you have the Linux approach where it says, we know what we want because we're the ones making it.
0: <laughs> yes, so, well, there is that as well. And, and, and Linux is so infinitely flexible from the, you know, if you want to build your own operating system, you know, yeah, I tried a version of Linux yeah. once that was designed in the style of, a, of an anime series. <laughs> um, called Serial Experiments Lane, which is a very weird techie anime if you want to check that out. But I wanted to point something out that, um, we actually didn't uh, discuss and put in show notes here, but it, it just occurred to me as we've been talking that there was a con, there was a, um, a, a, a parallel change in computer usage at this point in the Internet Explorer lifestyle, which was the introduction and, introduction and success of the netbook that mm. did the opposite um, of what Microsoft would have wanted with Vista, which required, uh, a, you know, more of a high-powered, high-spec machine. It was much visually, uh, it was much more visually rich. Vista was that is versus XP. Mm-hmm. And then the netbook came out and became this giant pre-iPad, pre-tablet craze of hundred-dollar little portable notebooks that needed to run really low-power old stuff. So they yeah. ran XP and they ran IE six, or they ran Linux, of course. Um yep. You know, and, and I think that 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 was such a popular choice of machine for admittedly only maybe a couple of years. But it I think it may have made a difference, at the whole XP thing.
1: And definitely once uh, 2007 rolls around, you had Apple introduce the iPhone and that really changed the game because suddenly you had, well, at least here in the United States, I mean, here in the U.S., this is where Nate can can kind of chuckle, because in the U.S., the smartphone was adopted very late on the consumer side. Whereas, you know, in Europe, you had some some smartphones that had traction before the iPhone came out here in the U.S., the iPhone might as well have been the first smartphone ever. Uh, the only people who had any other type of smartphone were executives who had Blackberries here in the U.S., that was. I mean, it. it's
0: very kind of you. It was very kind of you to to suggest that we were far ahead of the game. But I, I think really that the sort of we're in the realms of the sort of Nokia communicator sort of thing, and yeah, um, they weren't they weren't particularly smart, but they they were more feature rich, definitely than right than some of the U.S. phones because because Nokia didn't do anything really in in North America at the time.
1: Right. Yeah. Here, if you had a phone that could browse the web via text, like it was just a text-based browser, then you were ahead of the game. <laughs> and then but then the iPhone comes out, and uh suddenly you have a new way of of viewing the web, uh which would get improved considerably with future generations of the iPhone and then with competitors like the Android phone and ultimately with Windows Mobile, Windows Phone, and then just Windows for mobile devices. Um, but you know that really changed the game big time to the point where now if you look at market share of uh, what's being used to browse the web the mobile devices are killing it and so you see things like ios is a huge player in market share for web browsers if you're if you include mobile devices if you look at just desktops then internet explorer is still a large a large player um, especially once you factor in all the different versions of internet explorer that are still in use but 2007 ends up being a big year because we start seeing mobile become a true competitor, or at least a, a potential competitor in the web browsing space. Uh, March 2009 would be when Microsoft launched Internet Explorer 8, which was the first browser to pass the ACID 2 test. Did not pass the ACID 3 test, but it passed the ACID 2 test, which was a, that's a test designed to check a browser's ability to render a web page based upon the intended design of that page this goes back to what i was saying before where you just painstakingly create a web page and you can't wait for someone to see it i mean by by can't wait i mean if you if you could go back and visit the web pages of the the mid 90s i guarantee you that more than 80% of them would have a counter somewhere on that web page that would tell you what number you were to visit that web page. Uh, those were ubiquitous back in the day. Do you remember those where you'd be like, oh, look, I, I was the hundred and third thousandth person to visit this website.
0: Yes, um, I do.
1: I remember installing one of mine and just thinking, like, why do I do this? I can like it's been three months and I can still count the number of people who visited my website on two hands. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was one of those things where again you, you know you put this care into it and you really wanted to make sure that all the browsers were going to render it properly uh and it was very important for microsoft at the time because they were no longer like no one version of internet explorer was now the dominant one because firefox had done so well so if you're the dominant player then sure you could essentially define how web pages should look your browser is the one that people should be designing for because you're the one that most people are using and anyone who's using a different web browser is going to have a uh, potentially at any rate a uh, less than ideal experience but who cares because you're the one who's the biggest player in town when you're no longer the biggest player in town or there are viable competitors out there you have to start rethinking that strategy so microsoft did a good thing here and building a web browser that was going to be more true to the designs of the web page administrators than what they had previously been doing. Uh, And also it benefited those of us who actually used Firefox or some other browser at that time. So
0: that was was good. Go ahead. It's an interesting period because all this time, all this discussion, Opera was chugging along in the background, Mm -hmm. doing its thing. And just as we've been talking, I just downloaded and installed Opera on my Mac because I just wanted to see what it looks like these days. It's based on Chromium, um, like like Google Chrome is. And, you know, Opera's always been this underdog. It's just never done very well uh, market share-wise, but it's always had this incredibly loyal fan base and does really innovative things on the mobile side and always has. And I remember in about 2007, I wrote an article for CNET saying, Opera should stop making desktop browsers and just focus on mobile as its future. And I had one person who said that I should throw myself off the top of the CNET building for saying <laughs> something so heinous against the beloved Opera browser. Right. And I, you know, nearly 10 years on, I stand by that. They should focus on mobile. Um, and I, and I hope that person revisits my article, um, mm-hmm. from 2007 and says, Oh yes, you were right. Well done. Well,
1: you, it was very forward thinking because as it turns out, you know, mobile browsing has become so important now that that's where everybody is looking. I mean, you know, not that desktop browsing has gone away or that there aren't other platforms. I mean, heck, I, I, sometimes I browse the web very rarely, but sometimes I browse the web on, uh, my Xbox so that I can watch certain content that I couldn't otherwise or that I, uh, you know, might want to have a podcast on in the background and that's the easiest way for me to, to play it. Um, so, but, but mobile certainly is, is at least as important, if not more important than desktop browsing is these days. So, uh, everyone really needed to be looking at mobile. I think you were really just giving some valuable advice, honestly. I mean.
0: I really? I was trolling for page views mostly, but, um, <laughs> But it, well, but, on, but it was based on it was based on real uh, opinion and a fact
1: okay. that I well, believed at the time. You know, we we've all engaged in some clickbait at some <laughs> point or another. I mean, you know, Uh so Internet Explorer 8 is currently the second most popular version of Internet Explorer as far as market share goes. Keep in mind, we're up to 11 now. And in fact, uh Internet Explorer 11 is the current uh, most popular version of IE on the market i.e. 8 is second. So that means 9 and 10 didn't do quite so well. Uh, and perhaps, I'm not saying this is necessarily the case, but perhaps one of the reasons that it has done so well for so long is that it is the last version of Internet Explorer that is capable of running on a Windows XP machine. So it may be that we have still a significant number of folks out there who are running the Windows XP operating system. They never upgraded to Vista or 7 or 8 or 10 now. Uh and they're they're staying with Windows XP for one reason or another and they might be running Internet Explorer 8. That's a guess. But I think it's a fair one.
0: Yeah, I mean in the mobile world it's I I'm sure a lot of people listening have had the experience of downloading an app and then downloading an update a week later, right. firing up the app and being told that your OS is out of date and, and you need to update. And that's because Apple or, or Android or something has been up, has a, 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 has released an update in the time between you downloading the app and firing up the app. And you've updated the app in that time without firing it up or updating your OS and it's right. already out of date. Like it's now, crazy.
1: Personally, I haven't had that issue, but that's because I use a Nexus 6. So I get those updates like immediately. Uh, but then uh, it, although iPhone users out there are like, uh, yeah, that's regular operating procedure for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I have a Nexus 6 as, as well, to be fair. Um, oh, do you have I, I do. What? Yeah, that's sort of my Android uh, sort of test phone thing. Of course. So yes, I, 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 you, I use that for your main
1: stuff. phone has to be an iPhone, I, I imagine.
0: Yeah. All right. How do you like the Nexus 6?
1: I know this is a tangent, but I have to ask.
0: Um, I love it. I really like it. Um, I, I use the iPhone 6 plus as my main phone. So the Nexus 6 just feels like an evolution of that, um, mm-hmm. feel wise. And the screens, the screen's nice. The battery life for me has been pretty good. And the, mm-hmm. the um, I don't know. I, I just like it, but I don't I use just... it that much, to be honest. It was, it's just like a, like a, uh, sort of a dummy review unit type thing that's just been hanging around.
1: Right. I, I just wish it were a little bit larger, so that way if I held it over my head on a sunny day I could shade my entire body.
0: It is a big phone. It is, it is a big a phone. But like phone. I said, I don't use it that much. It's it's mostly there for me to test Android and if I need if I want to review or write about new apps, it's just there. Um Yeah. Oh yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, fine.
1: Yeah. I understand. Well, getting back to Internet Explorer, this is where we're starting to talk about some of the, the the boring ones for me. So I guess that's why I'm so eager to go off on tangents. But March 14th, 2011, Internet Explorer 9 debuts. And it had the tagline, the beauty of the web. So finally we could experience that. It was, it was good that by 2011 we could finally see the beauty of the web. I mean, after all that text and the red X's for images that wouldn't load. Um this one wasn't tied to the premiere of any new operating system, which might be one of the reasons why it's not as popular as IE8 or IE11, because it, hmm. it was not, it wasn't bundled with an operating system. Um, so it could run on Windows Vista Service Pack 2 or later versions of the Windows operating system. There was no support for Windows XP. Like we said, uh, IE8 was the last Internet Explorer to run on that platform. And uh, you could do things like you could pin websites to the application bar, which would allow you to navigate straight to those right away. So if there were sites that you always go to, you know, you just, you, there, there's always, there's three that I always open up first thing in the day as soon as I load up my browser, then it would make sense to pin those first three just to be able to click on whichever ones or even pin them together. You could do that as well, where you could open up, uh, multiple tabs, and just associate the ones that you always go to first thing. That way you don't have to spend those precious that calories typing in <laughs> the first few letters of whatever URL <laughs> you go to each time. Um, but a very innovative approach at the time. And uh it also had a download manager that would allow users to pause downloads and alert users to potentially malicious files. Very important as far as security is concerned. Something that is pretty much standardized throughout all browsers now. Uh, but was brand new back in 2011, uh, at least for Internet Explorer anyway. And it so included support for HTML5 for audio and video tags. So we started to see that that migration, which is still happening, from 4 to 5. Um, so, you know, it, it was important. It just didn't make a huge impact. Uh, in fact, I can't even, I don't think I've ever used IE9. I don't think I ever got to a point where I used that.
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I think I will have done because I was, I was all Mac at that point. Uh, my machine at, I was at Wired at the time. My, all my, my machines at Wired were all Macs as well. But I did always have, um, either a Parallels installation of Windows so I could do my browser tests because I always did the browser reviews, um, for CNET in the UK and then Wired as well after that. So I always sort of kept, I kept them installed. So I must have used it at some point. But certainly IE7 was the last one that I could honestly say I really remember using. Possibly IE8. Yeah,
1: after that. So no, no, no lasting impression here. Um, Yeah, I imagine that people with Macs would, yeah, I run boot camp so I can run IE9. That would really shock me. (laughs) I would not be i would I would be well why? please tell me what what's the you know, what's I can the tell attraction? you why you might
0: want to do that Macs are some of the for quite a while were some of the best windows machines you could buy right that's true like buy a MacBook air and put windows on it is a better experience for most windows users who didn't want to use a Mac or rather who didn't want to use os ten right at the well
1: time. did did you uh do you do you find it amusing when p c users try to go the other way and create hackintoshes?
0: It seems like a bit of a waste of time, but I suspect that there are people that are probably doing it more for the joy of making it work than the fact that it's productive for them to do so once they've done it. If right. You know what I mean? Right, but right. I also say, and I am a Windows user. I mean, my gaming machine is a Windows PC. It's a big fat gaming rig with a twenty-one nine ultra wide curved monitor. That's all Windows, but I but it literally loads Steam, and most realistically, it really loads Elder Scrolls Online as <laughs> soon as I turn it on. Like it's, I was about to say. Nothing else.
1: I was gonna say, like, with that huge screen, it's gotta be Papers Please. You're just playing
0: <laughs> Papers Please, yeah. No, well, it's my immersive Elder Scrolls experience.
1: Well that's that's good. Now I know I know what MMO I could run into you if I ever uh if I ever dive into that world. Oh um,
0: please do. You are welcome. You would make I'm, a fantastic Nord.
1: I, I'm still playing actually, I'm still playing Skyrim. Again. I mean I, I keep playing it through. I don't know why. I've played I finally actually finished the game <laughs> for the longest time. I was not finishing the game. I was just doing all the side quests. So maybe I need to, maybe I finally need to say goodbye to Skyrim and, and jump on. Elder
0: we Souls should take online. this conversation offline because yeah. I definitely want to persuade you to get into elder scrolls online, but we'll, <laughs> we'll save elder scrolls for a future tech stuff, perhaps right. because well, that we'll, in itself has a rich history as a franchise.
1: We'll revisit. Yeah, actually, I remember getting to play the, the early build of that at a CE or E uh, E3 several years ago, but, Okay, we'll save that for our next one. Let's 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 power on through the end of Internet Explorer, Uh April twelfth, two 2011. That's when Microsoft announces Internet Explorer 10. It was less than a month from releasing Internet Explorer 9. So they release nine and less than a month later, they say, hey, Internet Explorer 10 is coming, which seems like a weird choice, especially when Internet Explorer 9 wasn't being bundled with an operating system. So I don't know why they expected people to migrate to 9 if they announced hey something even better is coming really soon. It that that to me is a very odd decision. Um I honestly don't understand the motivation behind that.
0: Uh, unless it's, they just It's probably care. for like accounting purposes more than anything else to show a return on investment.
1: Maybe. I mean it'll it, be again, something really
0: dull like that.
1: Since Internet Explorer wasn't like a product that you would go out and purchase maybe they just didn't care it's kind of hard to say uh they showed a demo of an early build of IE10 at the uh, mix 11 cons- conference in Las Vegas the MIX uh uh conference in Vegas I've never been to that one that's one of the few that I have not attended uh it was September 2011 they showed the developer preview of Windows 8 um that Ended up becoming available to the general public. So if you wanted to get your hands on an early build of Windows 8 and then be one of the many people who complained about the Metro uh, layout, you could have done that. Then I I was one of those people. I was um, too. Yeah, we we actually just had a machine here at How Stuff Works that was the Windows 8 machine, and it was a Windows 8 machine that did not have a touch. Anyone using monitor. it? <laughs> well, no one. No one was using it. Well, first of all, there wasn't a whole lot of software we could use with it. And secondly, we didn't have a touch-sensitive screen. So you were using this interface that was clearly designed after the UI you would see in a tablet, uh, but transmitted, transferred rather, to a desktop experience. But if you didn't have a touchscreen monitor uh, and you were navigating it through your basic keyboard and mouse, it was not a very satisfying experience. At least not for me. Uh, I could easily see why it would be very attractive if you were using a touchscreen device, although I'm not big on touchscreen monitors because I don't like having big old greasy fingerprints all over my monitor all the time. Um, I prefer my desktop to be still keyboard and mouse until something better comes along. Uh, What about you? Do you use touchscreen monitors?
0: No. No point. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I don't see. I, I don't see. I don't see a benefit to that. At least not in the current hardware iterations that are out there.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't like the idea of having to reach across and touch the screen. Anyway, I'm also lazy. So <laughs> anything that smacks of effort, I would like to edge away from, uh, unless it was absolutely necessary. Uh, IE10 would end up being bundled with Windows 8 and window, Windows Server 2012 in the fall of 2012. Uh and it had two modes. It had the Metro mode. So if you launched it in the Metro, they they no longer call it Metro, but at the time that's what we all referred to it as. If you launched it when it was in the Metro layout, which was that tiled layout of Windows eight, uh it had a limit limited features and it also ended up eliminating uh pretty much the the entire user interface was eliminated uh from casual glance. You would have to swipe from uh the bottom or the top in order to pull things up. But otherwise, it was meant to give the website the entirety of your screen's landscape. I can appreciate that on one level. I like the idea of slimming down your your frames so that you're giving the website as much attention and as much of the focus of the user as possible. But uh, at the same time, I want to be able to easily navigate to other sites if I need to. So I'm not crazy about completely hiding it away. Uh I think that might've been a bit much. If you launched it in the desktop version of Internet Explorer, it was a little more like the earlier versions. So it had more of the, the capabilities built into it. Um I think, I think Windows eight was really Microsoft's approach to trying to make the operating system as accessible to as broad a range of people as possible. And I'm not sure. Sh- clearly they weren't entirely successful. Uh They, the rapid development of Windows 10 kind of points to that, and also mm-hmm. just the, the upgrade to Windows 8.1, which ended up uh, kind of reversing Microsoft's decisions on a lot of their original points.
0: But Microsoft tends to do this; it, it, it sort of yeah. tick tocks between between big success and and uh, at least the perception of complete disaster, which is Windows, uh, you know, Windows XP, great success, Borat yep. style, Windows Vista. Disappointment. Yeah. Uh, Windows Seven, great success. Mm-hmm. Windows Eight, bitter disappointment. So I sort of feel that they are due a great success on the next on the next one.
1: I think so. Uh, and I guess they'll go out on a high point because it's the last one. Uh, you know, it's also interesting because this to me parallels a similar thing that happened with uh, with Microsoft with the the announcement of Xbox One. I remember you and I had a conversation. About, uh, which console we thought won E3 that year when, when the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One were both announced.
0: Yes, I remember actually eating a very messy hot dog with you while we had that conversation.
1: And then we, we talked about how Microsoft made all these, uh, at the time they sounded very bold and sometimes slightly dangerous, you know, as far as their, their, uh, the, the way people would view the Xbox One, they made these, these announcements that ultimately I think would have benefited them had they stuck with them, but they listened to the initial reaction that gamers had and they reversed some of their initial, their initial pronouncements, which ended up negatively impacting certain features down the road. And I think it's very similar to the way Windows 8 and Internet Explorer 10 uh, the the same sort of situations they went through the same kind of cycles they went through this like we're going to tr- we're really trying to push innovation the problem was they were pushing the innovation in a direction that the the public just didn't get behind
0: and you know and i think this is really it's it it is a problem born out of the business model and it's yeah. not to blame microsoft at mm-hmm. all this is just the way business is but they needed to they need to give people a reason to Go through what is, particularly in the corporate world, a massive, dramatic and expensive and disruptive uh, decision to move operating systems to upgrade. So they have to change something Mm -hmm. significantly, which is why it seems to go from great to bad to great to bad to potentially next great again. Because basically what they then change is they go back to what people wanted in the first place. You know, it's a it's the. Problem with if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But yep. if it ain't broke, but you need to make more money because that's what your business relies on, then maybe don't fix it. Just try and do something to it, and then right. fix that. <laughs> right,
1: right, yeah. I mean that that's a that's a great point, and I, I I think it has to be endlessly frustrating to Microsoft executives to really push for big, big changes, big risks in innovation, and seeing it fall flat, and then watch. Apple, where it seems like Apple is able to make that kind of declaration and, uh, and r- do really well with it. Now, that being said, there are clearly examples in Apple's past where, uh, updates to uh, certain operating systems or software packages have been met with lots of criticism. Uh, there are certain OS updates that people absolutely despised in the, in the process of the evolution of mac os there's also i mean anyone here at how stuff works who works in video could go on and on about changes to certain video editing suites
0: i <laughs> love that change it's brilliant i ditched premiere to move to final cut when they changed that
1: really everyone here yeah. went the other way
0: <laughs> well that's because they were probably doing it for for a living whereas i do it semi-professionally so for me it actually sped up a lot of stuff particularly things like multi-cam i wasn't doing anything professionally, professionally with it. Like it wasn't my sole job. Right. But I but but on the other hand, the the big difference is that Microsoft now does these big, giant, huge overhauls and pushes it as the next big thing and, like, the latest innovation and leap in personal and professional computing. Mm-hmm. Apple makes a big deal about its OSs, but they're actually incremental. They're more like service packs now, and they right. are free. And Apple will trumpet, you know, this new innovative feature and that new innovative feature. And, yeah, they are convenient, but, you know, would you pay for it? Really? I mean, people did, but it never really felt like a big deal to Apple. It more felt like just because they were making boxes and putting them on shelves and shipping them around the world, they should probably charge something for them. But once it's all software and download based, it's just like, meh, have it. Yeah. So they're like completely different. It's, it's They're not chicken and egg, not chicken and egg, sorry. They're not chalk and cheese now. They're just, we're not comparing apples to apples by comparing OS Ten to um, Windows updates wise.
1: Now, was that chalk and cheese that I heard?
0: Yeah. That's, that's no like one quarter on past May. 11 at night. I've been up for like <laughs> 18 hours at this point. I'm fried. I'm, I'm just so, curious uh, if
1: that's, if that's a common saying
0: or if that's just a, yeah. Neat... Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, that's really common. Yeah. They're like chalk and cheese. They don't go yeah. together.
1: I'll, I'll take your word for it. I, I've never heard that phrase, but I'm, I'm a closet, you know, I've been very, you know, sheltered my entire life. So
0: it's yeah. quite
1: possible. It just hasn't made its way to the deep South yet. Alright, so we're in the home stretch, October 17th, 2013. Microsoft releases the final version of Internet Explorer, Internet Explorer 11, uh, which had a lot of performance improvements. Uh, it actually went, when it came out, there were a lot of reviewers who put it through various speed tests and said this was competitive against all the other browsers that were current at that time, faster than a lot of them that it had made some incredible improvements and was a true contender in the browser space. That if in in fact I remember reading so many reviews that said, hey, if you switch to Chrome because you wanted it to load web pages faster, you don't have that reason anymore. Because Internet Explorer eleven was doing it as fast or faster than Chrome could. So it suddenly became clear that Microsoft had really pushed to To not just have new features, but to improve the performance so that it wasn't going to be viewed as, oh, yeah, it's this thing that everyone has because it's bundled with your operating system. It was actually a valuable browser that could stand on its own against uh, all these other competitors. So Mm. it was one of those things where you started hearing some real positive thing, you know, reviews about Internet Explorer. And yet it's also the last internet explorer uh microsoft yeah. announced this year that it is no longer going to be developing internet explorer
0: i sort of think that it's a necessary it's a necessary change because i think that the name ie is a lot worse than the product itself internet yeah. explorer is a perfectly good great modern fast browser now like it is it's fine it's a decent browser and and if i i I feel that people who you know who say oh i use internet explorer most of us in the tech world kind of go yeah really really but you know what if you if you're using the latest ie on windows 8.1 it's not a bad browser you might like and i mean this objectively speaking not subjectively like objectively it's not a poor browser um but the word ie just it just brings with it this history that you know people just associate with either bad technology or horrible compatibility issues like you had with ie8 where you had to build basically a version of your website just for one browser um there was a lot of problems and obviously the security issues with ie6 Mm -hmm. it's you know, get rid of the name. It's it's a real problem. It's why people don't really name their children after murderers because, well, yeah. there's a lot of baggage there. There's baggage there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so the the next one, and who knows? By the time this podcast goes live, maybe they'll have officially announced the name, but it's codenamed Project Spartan, uh, which is built on different codes. It's code that if you trace it back. You know, it has roots that are common to Internet Explorer, but again, it's a different evolutionary path. Um, and it's going to, uh, you know, be the, the new approach for browsers. Uh, there will be continued support for Internet Explorer for a while, but we're going to see that gradually, uh, taper off until we are left with whatever Project Spartan is named at the time. I am curious where they came up with that name because they have the personal assistant cortana and cortana that's a character from the halo franchise which microsoft owns now
0: mm, um, it's good pr it's good pr
1: yeah so it makes People me think halo's
0: if, cool xbox yeah. is the coolest thing microsoft's ever done that's true name it after the most popular thing that the most popular thing is named after
1: yeah i mean they, they weren't going to call it master chief so uh master chief the main character in halo is a spartan soldier. They. The type of armor he wears is is designated as Spartan, so it's possible that this is another Halo reference. It could be that Spartan just it came is from it, something it else.
0: totally is a Halo reference. Uh, like uh, is it, Spartan either because it's a very bland open interface and possibly, but it's not, is it? It's yeah. it's yeah. it's Halo. I still think they should call it Windows Grunt.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I guess I guess they could call it Elite. I mean, that would be <laughs> that would yeah. be something you know that would have a, possibly a, a, a nicer connotation than grunt would. Although, honestly, uh, depending upon what version of Windows you're running, you, grunting might be your natural reaction to booting up your computer. Because um, I remember running older versions of Windows on older machines and thinking, all right, I've turned my computer on in about half an hour. I'll be able to do something uh, mm. at any rate. That's that's it. That is the the. Full blown history of Internet Explorer from the early days before there were even web browsers to the current situation where Internet Explorer is, is surfing into the sunset, I guess, since we're talking about the web. And, uh, we're going to get this, this new type of browser in the future. Uh, it's an interesting story. I mean, you got so much drama there from the, the antitrust lawsuits, the whole dot com bubble. The intense focus on the web, Microsoft getting a little, maybe not lazy, but complacent perhaps mm, with its place. I mean, it's, it's a, you, know, you can also look at this and the development of the, the, you know, the, the company Microsoft as well. Just what that company was going through mm. during that time. We could do a parallel timeline and really see how there was a lot going on.
0: Uh, oh, there really the was, and, and and the popularity of Windows uh, of Internet Explorer six, and by extension, Internet Explorer six itself was both the best and the worst thing that happened to IE as a franchise of browsers. Yeah, you know, it it its popularity it, it accounted for over ninety percent of all browser installations at one point around two thousand three, I think, mm-hmm. and yet that was the one that effectively caused the downfall. You know, in terms of actual security issues, public perception, um, you know, the 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 need for something to challenge the dominant monopolistic looking IE, you know, yeah, all of that stuff, yeah. it caused its own ultimate downfall. And the complacency just made that worse.
1: Yeah, without without IE6, you don't have necessarily the the incentive for a group like the Mozilla Foundation to really push for an alternative like Firefox and then Firefox ends up becoming not just a like first it when it debuts it's it's definitely the underdog but then very quickly in the grand scheme of things became a true contender uh yeah i mean without without the the problems of IE6 there wouldn't have been i don't think there would have been a drive for the alternatives uh and ultimately when you look at the way things have shaken out now again like we we barely touched the mobile world but it's also what helped drive the development of things like Chromium. Uh, and then therefore you could also say it helped drive things like Android as well as Chrome OS. Uh, you know, it, the world is definitely affected by Internet Explorer. Like we, we would not have the same experiences that we have available to us now were mm. it not for IE. Whether I agree. it's, whether it's from Microsoft or from someone else that was trying to compete against them. So.
0: I agree. I mean, broadly speaking, what a successful product, you know, and, and, yeah. and what a great product for, you know, for the last two decades. I mean, you know, I say this as a Mac user, but as a someone who has a, a deep amount of respect for Microsoft and and what it does and what it has done. And Internet Explorer has to go down as one of the most popular, if not the most commendable piece of software ever made. You know, and I know that's a controversial statement, but but I think even the you know what I'm getting at, that it it's it has itself done so much for for what the modern Web is, even if it was by being too popular or too bad at one point. It has been a driver of change for the modern Internet.
1: Heck, I, I mean, I think I feel pretty safe in saying that if Internet Explorer had not been if it hadn't been for Internet Explorer, for one thing. More people would never have been introduced to the world wide web because since it was yeah. bundled with the operating system, it took that barrier to entry and and threw it out the door right it made it, it it became something that your computer could do as soon as you got it plugged up and connected to the internet. There was still a bit of a barrier because you still had to get connected, but once you got past that, it was already ready to go, and so there was that it helped remove that barrier to entry and because of that because it had this uh enabling factor that drove more people to the web it allowed for the creation of things like websites like howstuffworks.com which means that i ultimately was able to land my dream job so like like you know it, i don't know that things would have unfolded the same way had microsoft not gotten into this i'm sure i mean it's undoubted it, it, there's it's impossible to say but i mean i i'm pretty sure that there's no way the World Wide Web wouldn't still be an incredibly influential uh part of our lives. But whether it would be to the same extent that it is now without Internet Explorer, I, I don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, something that powerful and useful and uh and and ultimately profitable uh could not remain obscure forever, but it certainly could have taken longer without Internet Explorer for it to to get the traction that it got. So,
0: well, here's yeah. to the next 25 years of the web. Yeah.
1: Yeah, who knows uh who knows what, you know, maybe maybe we'll both be using a Microsoft machine and at that time and uh mm-hmm. Mac will be a distant memory and my my Chrome op, uh my Chrome browser will be seen as as antiquated and cute. Yes. I, d- I
0: doubt it, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> I'll be just I'll be passing through a midlife crisis and planning a 60th birthday.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be through my midlife crisis <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and well into my decline. All right. So <laughs> Nate Langson, thank you so much for joining me for these episodes. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, as, as people have heard and maybe you, maybe you didn't notice, but Nate has stayed up past his bedtime to mm-hmm. be on my show. So I appreciate that. Thank
0: no, it's my- much. If I if I can stay up for two ep- podcast episodes time to talk about the history of a piece of software, I mean, that is that is nerdtastic in my book. And uh, it's I, I'm just about to relaunch an entire publication in uh, in Europe. And uh, I am well past my bedtime, definitely. And uh, but but it's been a lot of fun and uh, kept me kept me awake, despite what I probably should have been doing. <laughs> well, well,
1: Nate, I'm going to take that as a positive. And uh, definitely. I. I hope I can have you on the show again in the future. I, I would love to have you back on and, and chatting about you know, some some other great tech topics. Nate is incredibly well-versed in tons of technology. Uh, he very graciously agreed to be on this episode. Next time, I promise I will give him the full list of cho- choices and just open up the option so he can pick whatever he wants to. Uh <laughs> because it was I was playing unfairly this time. But guys, if you have any suggestions for future topics or potential future co-hosts or interviews you want me to do, anything along those lines, or you just have some feedback that you want to sh- send to me, you can send it via my email address. That would be techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr. The handle at all three is techstuffhsw. Nate, where
0: can they find your stuff? Well, the best thing I can say apart from Twitter, which is at Nate Langson, is I do a weekly UK-focused technology podcast. We did a big feature um, on the most recent episode, episode thirteen, still quite a new show, um, where we we put the world's electrical plug sockets against each other, plug versus plug. Which nation has the best plug? Um, the answer is uh, the English plug, but there is a very good reason <laughs> as to why. No, and we no, and we no bias, this, huh? No, well, we spent 15 minutes uh, exploring uh, exploring that. And uh, I've also got a review coming up of the new super thin MacBook uh, and a big piece about the uh, the new Google mobile uh, algorithm change. Uh, and the show's called Text Message. I should probably say that. Um, T-E-C-H-S Message, that is. And you can find that at natelangson.com slash podcast.
1: Definitely go check that out, guys. And I love it, Nate, that I ask you for a plug and you plug a podcast about plugs. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: I didn't think of that. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's really well done.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, guys. We will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.